like you never know how to start these things, right? You don't want to go the normal route of saying, hi guys. You don't want to say, hey guys. Like, how do you even start? Like, how do you start? Especially if it's like your first episode, right? Luckily for you guys, I'm like a on-screen natural. So I feel like this, this first will be kind of easy. So, hi. This is my first, the first episode of my podcast i honestly don't say the first episode because it just makes it feel much more official but basically what happened was no there's no deep story behind oh my god why i'm starting like a podcast i just really wanted to talk more especially about like moving to the diaspora moving to america and what that has how that has affected my life like the process of moving, my moving, everything that comes with moving. I feel like we don't talk enough about it. Like if I was back in Nigeria, I would have been married with two kids by now because of the abundance of men. I might have been divorced also one time, but I would have been married at least once. There's just a lot of things that encompass like moving away from home. And I just really wanted to share like bit by bit. I started I think two weeks ago by sharing like how I bought my first house at 25 and then I realized girl that's jumping the gun because there's so many things that happened way before that and now you guys are having questions like okay is this going to be just you is it going to be with guests I don't know <laughs> I don't know we're going to figure it out together the plan is for all of us here to figure it out together and I figured the first couple episodes will be friends and family people who already know me so there's no pressure there. As time goes on, we'll sort it out. I don't think I need to do an introduction because most likely, if you're listening to this right now, you already know who I am. You know, like the first episodes, like friends, family, people who know you from a distance. So there's no need to go into like, who am I? What do I do? You know all of those things. Another thing I wanted to call out specifically for this podcast, this episode, is the fact that you know how people always feel excited when they start something new and they're like oh my god i'm so excited you know to be starting something new i don't feel excitement what i feel is gratitude and oh my god the reason why i feel gratitude is not anything deep it's primarily because for me i can be very self-motivating and be like okay i want to do something and then i'll jump right into action and make sure i follow through with it However, this year alone, everything that I have said I wanted to try to do and I have done it, I've gotten the most immense support from like friends and family and people who know me from a distance. Like I was telling someone the other day that some people that I knew in passing in Covenant University, when I've put out maybe content on Instagram or like a story, whatever, when I say writing, the support I got was beyond what I thought I was going to get. Like it was, it was so positive that that kind of motivates you also to like keep going because people trust you, people believe in you, even people from a distance. So again, what I feel in this moment is not necessarily excitement, it's gratitude because I know even this will be received very well. Okay, 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 I am excited too. <laughs> I am excited and grateful. I think you can be both of them. Like I said, I don't think that I don't think that I will do like an introduction on this first episode because you know me, you know me, it's fine. I thought it would be befitting that for this first episode, 
I will tell you guys my jackpot origin story. You guys, I hate the word jackpot for some reason. I feel like from when I was growing up, right, jackpot referred to, like, in the, in, when I used to watch your band movies, jackpot kind of signaled to me people who were running away from the government and then they had to leave their country. They had to leave Nigeria. So every time I use it now as an adult, I'm like, oh my God, who's, who's running from whom? However, I prefer using jackpot to using immigration because when I think about immigration in the U.S., I think about USCIS. And we're not going to think about USCIS in this moment. If you know, you know, PTSD, we're not thinking about USCIS. So I will refer to it as jackpot for now until we find a better... The other day, actually... I googled synonyms of immigration and I saw like, ex no, I think synonyms of diaspora and I saw exodus. I was like, no, I'm not going to call it exodus, my exodus story. Like, no, I'm not going to call it, what else? Like, the only other thing I just feel like I can use is jackpot. So for now, I will stick with jackpot. I feel like for everybody, there is a difference between the moment that, oh my God, is it not so funny how like I'm just spitballing here i don't have cue cards which i probably should have had like again we'll figure it out i feel like there is a difference between or for me at least let me speak for myself there is a distinction between the moment that you realize that you had to leave nigeria and the moment that you actually realize okay i'm not going back to nigeria and i'll tell you both both of those for me so the moment i realized that oh my god i have to leave nigeria was when in Covenant University, I went to Covenant University, and in Covenant University in your fourth year, I did a five-year course, so I had to do internship in my fourth year. And my parents are people who, my mom didn't really have enough connections, but my dad did, but my dad is one of those Nigerian parents that would be like, I'm not getting any child, anything with my connection. You have to hustle. Basically, fuck them kids at that age. And so my dad was like, no, I'm not getting you an internship. You have to go try to get an internship by yourself. And so my mom was like, oh, listen, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. She had me print out my resume and then drop me off at Lagos, like the Namdi Ezekiel, that bridge connecting like, the bridge at, uh, was it, is it Ikoi or Viash? That bridge, she dropped me up there and she was like, my dear, okay, now you have to go all around VI and drop your resume to the oil companies. Oh, I was doing petroleum engineering, so I had to do an internship with the oil companies. The first place I think I went to was Total, and they were even like, you can't even come inside the building because you don't have an appointment, so I had to leave my resume at the, like, gate, like, the gate man's office. Then I went to, like, Halliburton. Halliburton, too, didn't even allow me to enter because like, you don't have an appointment. I went on, oh, I think they allowed me to enter, and, girl, it was just such a fucking struggle. And then when I got to Adax, that was like the last, my last bus stop. And then I went home and I remember just feeling like, oh my God, this is hell. Like if I continue like this, first of all, I'm not going to get an internship. But also if I do get an internship, what happens after my graduation? Like as a graduate, am I going to be handing out my resume like in person? I was like, oh my God, you need, you need to fix your, like you need to think about it. Luckily for me. My friend was able to, like, you know, put in a word for me with someone that she knew. And I had, like, the most amazing internship. Like, we did write an exam. Technically, I got in by my... Like, she helped me get to the point where I had to write the exam. And then I came out in flying colors. And 
shout out to Ufama, frankly. Like, there's no way I want to put it and be like, oh, yeah, I worked on the exam, whatever. No, shout out to Ufama. Let me not even do that. Shout out to Ufama. And I wrote the exam. You know, I got the best internship. But then through the whole internship, I kept on thinking, damn, Sally. <laughs> Sally, what are you going to do? Like, you can't, like, this is not sustainable for you, girl. This is not sustainable. I had two mentors and I spoke with them about like, okay, what do you think I should do? What are my chances? And both of them were like, yeah, I think you should go get a master's degree. And then when you get a master's degree, if you go to one of the best schools, either in the UK, like if you go to Robert Gordon in the UK or like Kansas or like, you know, one of those Houston, you'll be able to get through like an oil and gas exploration company, and then you can come back to Nigeria as an expatriate. And even if you don't do that route, you can always come back to Nigeria as an expatriate. So there's that. And I was like, yeah, sure, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. So in my 400 final semester, I started writing GRE. I started like noting down the schools I wanted to apply to, blah, blah, blah. Then in my first semester, in my 500 level, I got into trouble with Covenant University. Like, for the first time in my life, you guys, I took a phone to school, and you're not supposed to have phone on campus. And then the punishment was, usually it would be like maybe suspension or expulsion, you know, whatever. But the punishment for me was that I would not do NYC with my classmates. And at that point, like, I feel like that literally, first of all, the internship, me going to apply door to door already, like, was like, yeah, I can't do this in Nigeria. I have to, you know, I need to go and get myself another degree and then have an edge. But the fact that they now said, I'm not going to do NYC with my mates, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. I was like, yes, I'm done. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to go to NYC with my classmates because I had a phone on campus despite my result? I know it's the consequences of my action, but that's a little bit too much. So I was just like, yeah, peace out. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave. But the moment that I knew that I was not going to come back was when I came to America and I really like processes. I really like, I like structure. You know what you're expecting, basically. If I am coming back home at 2 p.m., I know that there's going to be light at my house at 2 p.m. If I pay my bills, right? I know that if I get into trouble with the law, I know the exact steps that I'm going to have to take to maybe get out of it. Or I know the exact things that I have to do not to get into trouble with it. And so I was just like, oh my God, this is soft life. This is me, me. I'm a soft girl. And frankly, it was just so easy to decide that, yeah, I don't know that I want to go back at that time. I kept on having that hope that, oh yeah, maybe after five years, I'll move back. Maybe after 10 years, I'll move back. And it got to a point where like with every political thing that happens back in Nigeria, it just, a part of me just like dies slowly. And it's like, oh my God, like, okay, now I'm getting sad, <laughs> but it's just supposed to be sad. But instead, like, desensitizing me a little bit, um, which is, I feel like it's coming from a place of privilege to say that it desensitized me about a country that I lived in, a country that I grew up in, a country that is my country, my family is still back there. Mentally, it was just very, very exhausting for me that it became very easy to just be like, okay, maybe I don't want to have to deal with that now. I don't want this to be like, this is not supposed to be like emotional or like, 
heavy, heavy. Let me breathe a second. <laughs> Back during like the end SARS thing, my mom went out to protest and that really just broke my heart. It felt like I had to process the fact that all my parents' lives, like all our parents' generation life, they've had to fight for that country. And then at that age, when she was supposed to be relaxing, like maybe she was 55, she was going to protest our government. Like, it just felt so unfair. That period was so heavy for me and desensitized me completely that it just felt like, oh my God, I, I don't know that I can go back anytime soon. I think that that was it for me. But do you want to know the funny part is that recently my sister, my younger sister and I, oh, I love my younger sister. We started talking about me coming back home this December for death to December. And I was like, frankly, I will consider it. However, for me, the problem with death to December is that it's very overstimulating for me personally. Because from, you know, that TikTok sound from boss, party, party, boss, boss, club, nightclub that is what death in december signals to me and i really just want to sleep like half the time i really just want to sleep but you somebody will call you and be like oh my god it's 2 a.m somebody's calling you and be like did you just get oh there's an after party at obi's house let's go and then when you're leaving the day like oh, where are you going now oh gt bank is doing like a and you know and the funny thing about these things is that you don't know where like you have the most fun so you want to go along with the ride because let me tell you something you don't know where you have somebody will call you after you've left someone be like guy uh beyonce just showed up in obi's house and you're like oh my god i just left so tomorrow you don't want to miss that because what do you mean beyonce showed up when i left do you understand what i'm saying dirty december can be a little bit overstimulating for me and that's why i feel like i've been avoiding going for the past couple years but my younger sister was like sally please just come and then i checked tickets i saw three grand i was like i'm up <laughs> what's that meme of that girl that says it's funny or maybe let me laugh or something that's how i felt because what do you mean 3k to go to lagos nigeria and to be overstimulated and then you have to be in traffic and then you know another thing is i'm trying to be rebellious okay Tinubu said that we should come back home. If I go in Death to December, that's me obeying him, low-key. And I need to be rebellious. Do you understand? So I have, if you ask me why am I not going for Death to December, that's why, frankly. Like, I'm trying to be rebellious. That's my reason. I'm, it's a good reason. I'm trying to be rebellious because Tinubu said that we should come back. And I don't want to obey him. I know my, if my dad watches this, my dad is going to be like, oh my God, what is wrong with this girl? Yeah, that's basically my Jackpot origin story. I feel like I had fun recording this. It's such a serious episode, I'm telling you, but... That is my Japan origin story. I feel like I want to hear more about like when people left Nigeria or when they decided to leave Nigeria, why they decided to leave Nigeria. I will ask my friends to come on and talk to me about like when they decided, when they knew that they wanted to leave Nigeria. So that that way we can have like a, we can even start a blog, you guys, about when people decided to leave Nigeria and just like tell our stories. We can start a TV show, think about it. And we'll just call it maybe, again, we can't call it immigration stories. We'll find a name for it. But basically the point is 
we want to know when people decided that they wanted to leave Nigeria. You know what the funny thing is? When I was in Seattle, I met a lot of Africans, not even just Nigerians, that also left their country, like maybe when they were younger. And it's always so interesting to hear their side of like, why? Because we have insights into how bad Nigeria is, but we don't necessarily have insights into how some of these other countries are or like the, the limiting factors in these countries that will also like propel people to move, right? So that's also always very interesting. I feel like if this episode was not good enough i'll have a really hard time going back because this was all me spitballing and from my head and if i had to do it again i just don't know that it would be as natural i'm glad that you guys actually stayed till the end and listened to me just like talk on this is the conclusion of the first episode oh my god are we are we calling it episode I feel like that, I've said it in the beginning that that makes it official, but like, okay, this is the first version. No, version doesn't sound good because then it's like, version is like if there's multiple additions to something. So this is not a version. This is a part of it, which is an episode. So this is, you know, listen, <laughs> we'll have to call it an episode. It's an episode. How do we end this? After I finished just seeing you guys now, I've been like, Oh my god, you guys, that's my Jaguar story and thank you for coming. Do we do I say that's the end of the first episode? I'll talk to you guys next week. It doesn't sound like that's not me. Like I won't say like that to you guys like like if I knew you in person, I won't just say, Oh yeah, nice talking to you, I'll see you next week. No. Let me see how I'll tell, like, okay, let me picture you're in front of me actually and I'm telling you that. Ah, uh, yeah, so that's just oh yeah, okay, okay, good. Yeah, so that's the gist. Basically, that's the gist of how I came to America. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, next week, I'll tell you about, like, how I acclimated to America and, like, some of the challenges that I had to go through um, and how I got through. I'll also tell you, actually, why I picked Houston. Why was it Houston? I feel like that's pretty straightforward. But how was it in Houston? Because you know how people, when people come to America, if they go to Houston, it's completely different experience from people who went to school in Florida, completely different from people who went to school in like Kansas or Oklahoma, right? So, okay, I, I have, I know, I know what I'm going to just see about next week. I know what I'm going to just see about next week. But that's basically my Jaguar story. And I will talk to you guys next week.